On Sundays, after I've meditated, cleaned and charged my crystals and watered all 324 succulents that Galinda keeps in her study, which used to be our dining room, but now we eat on the couch separately most nights on account of her still being gone so much. On Sundays, I like to cook. And I recently found a great new cookbook that I'm just wild for. It's a vintage number called Microwave Cooking for One. And there's so many great recipes in there. Eggs in cups, two hot noodles, mug o' trout. The cooking time is always about five minutes and the cleanup is almost nil. Some nights I use paper cups and then just throw the whole thing into the compost pile behind the yoga studio downstairs. Friends, what I'm saying is, if you have an extra seat at your holiday table this year, I would be eager to say yes. I haven't been to a Seder or Thanksgiving meal in ages. And don't worry, I've got a recipe for a single yam that I'm dying to try. Until then, I'll keep pushing buttons on this microwave in hopes that one of them opens up a secret portal that will lead us to the Deep Night. Friends, it's me, the OG Baby Yoda, Dale Seaver, and I'm so pleased to be with you for this next hour of regrets and revelations. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus, and oh, be sure and get your Gowanus turkey orders in early, folks. A Gowanus turkey is a bird, we're not sure which kind, actually, on account of the melting, but it definitely had a beak. And those are put into garbage bags and then brined in the gelatinous waters by the scrap heaps, where it's at its most stagnant and therefore flavorful. We pull them out just before they catch fire, and boy, are they delicious. A welcome addition to any hobo fire around a barrel, beneath an overpass, or out back behind a garage that hasn't been in operation since 1990, but there's still a fleet of cars out front with four sale signs in the windows. I can't wait for the holidays. And we're getting in a festive mood early here, folks. We're talking pagan rituals, spiritualists, and sex magic, naturally, with my guest comedian and actor Caroline Kingsley. I met Caroline during one of her popular new shows, The Violet Hour, which had been steaming up the Lower East Side for the past couple of months. Originally out of Chicago, uh, she's been here for a little while, and things are really starting to happen for her. I could not be more thrilled to welcome her to the deep night. So let's do it. Let's go now to my conversation with Caroline Kingsley. Caroline Kingsley, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Dale? Good. I'm doing fine. Welcome to you and all of your spirits to the deep night. Thank you Uh, so much for having me. Well, it's great uh, that you're here. I gather you had a big show just this week. uh, And how did it go? It went great. Um, oh, you know, yes, we, thank goodness. We had a, a horny pumpkin pie that came to life on stage. and Tis the season. Tis the season, yeah. <laughs> well, it's that, great. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. And the show is called The Violent Hour. It is, yes. Yeah. And uh, it's a. Now, when I first heard about this, 
an interdimensional talk show. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I said, I need to check this out. Mm -hmm. What's going on? A fellow traveler through the multiverse. Exactly. <laughs> hosting a program. And it was great, really cosmic stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's just, and you, and you kind of channel a spirit, a character. Yeah. And actually, I believe she's an old friend of yours, Victoria. Uh, um, actually, well, she's related to Victoria Woodhull. Who, do you know who Victoria Woodhull is? I do, and I want to talk about her. Okay, yes, but... Anyway, uh, the character that I channel on the show is Winifred Coombe. Yes. Who I believe you've met in a couple different multiverses. A few, yeah, yes, um, as I slip slide through the portals. Right, yeah, she, she's... <laughs> You you both have a lot in common, so I wasn't surprised to hear that that you had met. But yes. yeah, I, you know, I, I open myself to her and be, become a vessel for her, and then uh, she takes over for an hour with her friends from the from the multiverse, the Cumbians. Yes, all sorts of yeah. of nymphs and things mm -hmm. leaping around. Yeah, it was great to see her again. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was fantastic. Uh, and has she been with you for a while? You've been able to access her. She's been with me, yeah, for uh, about ten years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, an old friend. Yeah, <laughs> that's marvelous. And uh, she, and would you remember the instance in which she, she was first summoned forth? Yeah, it was actually I was in I was in grad school for theater, and yes. we had to do some kind of like mm, solo creation project. Oh, and she sort of like just leapt in, you know, leapt in through my nose and <laughs> started started talking about spiritualism and you know suffrage for women and uh, yes. clitoridectomies and all kinds of stuff. So, you know. The last one, I don't know what that is. So in the 1800s, if yes. women were too sexual, yep. they would get a clitoridectomy. Oh, taken off? Yep, taken right off, clean that off. That doesn't sound right. No, it's not right. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we've progressed. Yeah. I hope. Um, gosh, yeah. well, uh, that's, uh, that's, what, that's what happens sometimes, isn't it? The people that uh, we need to have with us appear. Yeah, yeah. Or the people who need to speak, you know, yes, jump in through our vocal cords and just take over. Yeah. yeah. Well, it uh, coincided with a good social and political moment, too. Yeah. We need those women's voices back again. Yeah. Agitating. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I always love to find someone else that's tuned in to the frequency that I'm on. Right. And, uh, you know, I talk a lot about uh, Goop and Gwyneth Paltrow because I love what she's doing. I, I do, too. Did you read just that marvelous. whole New York Times article about it? I read everything. I'm yeah. voracious. Yeah. If it has Gwynny's name, yeah. I'm in. It's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. Have and you been to the Goop shop? No, I'm dying to go, but I'm also saving it for a special occasion. Mm. Well, you'll love it when you do. <laughs> You've been there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? A lot of rollers? A lot of rollers, a lot of um, like dry brushes. <laughs> oh. uh, you know what actually you would really love? What's Have you that? seen those? Um, they're... Glass water carat like water bottles. Oh, with the and crystal. they have crystals inside, yeah. and so you infuse your water with like what, and you can pick like love, beauty. You know, they have a whole. Yes. Um, yeah, I bet you could. You'd probably want the whole collection. Yep, because yeah. I've got a couple of loose quartz in my Nalgene bottle, mm -hmm. and yeah. it's not doing the same. Right. Well, the, you have to be careful because I know that there's some, and I'm sure you know this better than I do, but there's some crystals that can leach into your water in a bad way. Uh-oh. So you have to be careful if you're taking a bath with them or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but these, they like come in, like they're like suspended in like a, a pure alcohol solution or something Oh. It, within glass. So then just the energy of the crystal goes into the water, I guess. Sometimes that's all you need, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Just a little hit yeah, yeah. of the energy. Yeah. Do you ever store crystals like on your person? Like sewn into my pockets and that kind of a mm -hmm. thing? Well, I was told like, I mean, I don't know if you wear a bra, but. I would tell the bra is a great place to hold crystals because they can, you know, 
get the energy right close to your heart. Yes. So. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. I could try to fold some into my turtlenecks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or just a tight, maybe a tight tank top underneath your turtlenecks. That's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing such a weird undershirt today. <laughs> it's one that's just, it's too tight, mm. is what it is. And it's real slippery. Mm. Well, <laughs> so that not, might be the perfect one may, for, for crystal implementation. It can certainly circulate the crystal energy around. I'd be willing to try it. Um, speaking of uh, uh, baths and crystal baths, uh, I'm, Goop, of course, well-known. But I, do you know this? Uh, are you on this mailing list for Mama Medicine? No. Oh, I encourage you to get on it. Oh, I would love it. Such helpful information. And, uh, you know, I, I just, it's so worth your time. She does a lot of flower baths, a lot of crystal baths, a lot of uh, healing, a lot of bowls going on. And, uh, you know, I get that I'm, I'm kind of coming into the fact that I have to be comfortable as a figurehead of this community wellness community right. which which i'm such a part of and people do write to me all the time send me faxes about uh, advice mainly I, faxes though right mainly that's right. my main right. source of i believe that's the the real direct right talk about energy right, right. it oh, comes yeah. through the thermal paper absolutely and that's of the earth right uh and i i like to offer advice but i'm also just captivated by the look of things and the the whole lifestyle and that's what Mama Medicine does. That's what Goop provides me. Mm, yep. I find it very reassuring to be in linen p- pants, mm-hmm. uh, linen trousers, and uh, uh, people like Winifred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she's the same. same. She loves a she linen pants too. She has a great look. Too. She loves a loose fitting trouser, mm-hmm. meditation collars. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really wonderful, but it it's, can be a lot. It can be exhausting. Do you find it's hard to keep up with all this stuff? You know, she does most of the work for that. You know, like I'm pretty much a tomboy, but then I'll I'll wake up from a trance and have a lot of stuff ordered from Goop. So <laughs> that usually works out well. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is what she wants to wear in the next show or, you know. Yep. And so, you just got to go for it. Just got to go for it. Yep. Pay and, that credit but, card off slowly. You know what I find about the, the flower baths is yeah. when you get out of them and there's just flower material stuck to your body all over. So yeah. then, you know, they tell you, I don't know, I'm sure Mama, what's Mama Wellness, Mama Medicine? <laughs> sure, yeah. She probably tells you, like, stick them in pantyhose and then put them in the bath, the oh. flowers. So then you just have, like, a big bulbous. Yeah. It looks like sort of like a chunky, like, piece of butt in the in the bath with you. Oh. But the flowers and the crystals are infusing into the bath water. Yes. And that way you don't, you're not covered in plant material when you get out i tell you the thing about wellness is it requires a lot of extra undergarments that you can put things in right yeah you just have them around and i'm sure someone is making some kind of like harness crystal harness that you can just wear under your clothes you oh, know that idea that don't, hold, don't hold give that idea away for free well you know I'm, i think it's better to let the idea you know i think it'll come back around to me i hope so in royalties somehow i hope but, so yeah that's why we're recording it yeah. that's good yeah because man a crystal harness yeah that would be wonderful yeah snaps and all kinds of things yeah but plus the energy yeah plus a little extra support when and you plus, need it you could be nude and be infusing with crystals at the same time oh, or just in dream. one loose linen sheath yeah you know yeah. but still have things on your person that's right that's right. Well, uh, and do you offer advice? Do you find that Winifred has offered advice to people? Um, she does, and she's definitely she gets a lot of faxes too. I think yeah, that's yeah. the main the main way people reach out to her too. Um, yeah, she gives a lot of advice too. Yeah. She's a newsletter that I think you. If, I mean, if you like Goop, if you like all this stuff, I yeah. mean, sign, you sign would like up. her newsletter. Yeah, yeah, a lot of helpful tips in there. A lot of helpful tips. Yeah. yeah. Huh. yeah. 
That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, let's hit the cosmic reverse button let's for a it. moment, Caroline, and go back through it. <laughs> there it is. You were raised in uh, uh, the, the wilds of suburban Illinois. Yeah. yeah. Where, whereabouts? Uh, the northern suburbs, so like near Northwestern University. Oh, yes. A little town called Winnetka. It's a very popular town, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. In song and verse. Yeah, absolutely. People like to write songs about that. Mm-hmm. But what kind of place is it other than being uh, university adjacent? Well, um, so the it went through a real like John Hughes phase, like trains, planes, and automobiles, the, the Home Alone movies, yes. all of these sort of like 80s, 90s family movies were shot sort of in that in this suburb of Chicago. Wow. So it's like, you know, it's um big beautiful houses, you know, sort of a fancy thing, but like when you see that in the movies you're like, "Oh, that's how everyone lives." And you live there and then you're like you go to college and you're like, "Oh, I'm just spoiled." <laughs> I just lived in a in a fancy area, you know. Yeah. 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 And that's what you did. I did. You lived yeah. in a fancy but area. But luckily, I from so I was born in the in the fancy suburbs of Chicago, yep. and then uh, in second grade, I moved to Bloomington, Indiana, where my dad worked uh, at IU, Indiana University, for yes. a couple years. So I got to be a real tomboy, and like you know, I had like a I had a blonde bowl cut and red glasses, and I wore a teal Charlotte Hornets starter jacket all the time, and collected basketball cards. Ooh. So I got to be a real nice like <laughs> down home Indiana girl, and then we yeah. moved back in junior high which was incredibly traumatic but i think good for my psyche and ego it sounds like it yeah. no that's something uh, that we share in common is that i also had red glasses did you yeah i think there was kind of a moment there i probably have and some what, years what on you but chakra I... does that uh what does red is root oh, chakra right yeah i think so so if you have your root chakra on your face that's <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, nothing good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Target for bullying, I right. think. Yeah. Uh, it was a very Sally Jesse Raphael mm, moment. You're right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The only time I've been to Bloomington, I went to the Pot Belly there. Mm. A nice sandwich place. Is it a good one? <laughs> it's a good one. Is it yeah. one of the ones where they have people playing an acoustic guitar like up on a, a little ramp in the ceiling? In the loft? Mm-hmm. In the Pot Belly loft? Yeah. 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 I tell you. If you can That's get, how you know it's a classic. If you can one. get that gig. Yeah. I don't want to know who Free books sandwiches. That. <laughs> yes. I assume. Yes, I assume. Well, if you walk around after everybody's left and they haven't cleared. Yeah. Pretty nice. The you only other person that I, I uh, not the only other person probably, but I did know somebody uh, from around those parts, uh, a gal, and her father collected meteorites. Whoa. Does that sound like something that would happen out those totally, parts? Totally, yeah. yeah. The, you know, crunchy uh, college Professory, yes, yeah, meteorite basements, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to locate and find yeah. ro- space rocks. I would love to see those. Right, sounds yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you ever visited a crater? I have not ever visited a crater. No, I'm, I assume you've spent a lot of time in craters. <laughs> yes, I. Yes, yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah, often uh, in lake form. You know, uh, you Winifred's know. been to a lot of craters, and sometimes yeah. her her memory gets accessed in my brain, but. So I'm, I can visualize being in a crater, but yeah. I don't think I personally yeah. have. No, it's a, it's a powerful experience. Yeah, gravity seems to shift. Uh, you know, I just get uh, I start thinking about the Earth like that when I'm out in nature. Mm-hmm. You spend a lot of time in nature. I try to. Yeah. Or a lot of time in Central Park, which feels like nature, even though it's man-made. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And responsible for the displacement of a lot of communities that were historically there, and it's too bad. Yeah. That's the story of America. Yeah. Um, I get sad thinking about that. 
It is sad. I get sad thinking about dinosaurs. I don't get that sad thinking about dinosaurs. Okay. Okay. I, also I mean, think... I feel bad for them, but... Sure. Yeah. Sure. But I just think what could have been with them, because I believe, possibly, that uh, life here came from Mars. Sure, yeah. Right? And here could have been just... This could have been a planet full of octopi. Could have been. Right? This is like their domain. And that makes you sad? That makes me happy. But then we interrupted whatever was going on there. But then we got to be here. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I guess what maybe makes you sad is like the plot of the last dinosaur. That too, yes. Yep. Because that's basically like if that meteorite had never yep. hit, then maybe we would just be all all friends, dinosaurs and us. And that's maybe even saying. octopi too. Maybe we could have all... Yes. And that I... I see that does that is sad when you think about yeah. how we could have all gotten along like that. But probably we would have just murdered and displaced all of the dinosaurs and octopi, and we would be in the same place we are now, knowing that's, human nature, which is also a, sad. That's a very realistic take on it, yeah. and I appreciate that. Yeah. Yep, but yep. Who knows? <laughs> that's the state that we're in. <laughs> Sometimes the mind just goes on little walks, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah. Um, well, what were some of your preoccupations <laughs> as a young person? Obviously, I was thinking about that kind of stuff, because mm-hmm. I would get the little nature cards and think about earth science and right. that sort of thing. What were you up to? I really liked basketball, as I said. Yes. Like the Charlotte Hornets starter jacket. I would draw the Bulls um, logo a yeah. lot, yeah. like very carefully. And the Pacers logo, of course, because I was living in Bloomington. So L- Less exciting to draw. Right. But I was also very <laughs> unathletic. I was a very chubby, unathletic child. So I like aspirationally liked sports. Yeah. And it was a way I connected with my peers, but I was not coordinated or good at sports. couple questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, why the Hornets? Um, I think because the coat was cool, because it was teal, and teal teal. was really having a a moment back then. Yes, yes. So I think that's why. Great uh, But I remember so vividly asking for it for Christmas, and then I remember opening it, and I was like, I will never take this off my body. (laughs) And you didn't. And the teal and the red glasses just sort of offset each other nicely. Yeah, Yeah, really worked. We got some scrunchies going on in the hair, or what's the hairstyle? No, too short, just a bowl cut. Too short, just a bowl cut. Oh, yeah. that looks fine yeah. in the tundra yeah. uh, of Indiana. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, uh, but the Hornet also had a great mascot mm-hmm. and was always superior, uh, for obvious reasons, at the uh, dunking competitions. Because it was just like a guy in tights with a helmet right, on, kind you're of right. goggles. So he was more aerodynamic. Very aerodynamic. Or I, they were more aerodynamic. We don't know who I was in there. I do not want to ascribe yeah. uh, a pronouns to the yeah. person. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, however they identified, right. I assume that hornet was gender fluid. Right. Uh, but introduced, I think, the trampoline. Yes. A lot of uh, backflips for that uh, person. And, you know, fun fact, my husband yes. was once an acro dunker for the Chicago Bulls when we first <laughs> met. Oh. Yes. I mean, how do you even... That's perfect because you love basketball. I And did. here's somebody at the peak of their uh, uh, physical abilities... At one of the great ball franchises in the U.S. Yeah, and I guess Dale, you are is you're you're so intuitive that you put those things together. I had sort of buried my basketball, my love for basketball, for many years at the time that I met my husband, and oh. so when he was like, "You should come uh, check out my moves at the United Center," I was very nonplussed by it. But I guess you're right that somewhere deep inside me, that stirred the twelve year old girl <laughs> yes. who was who was a huge Reggie Miller fan and. <laughs> Loved him. This is what you put out in the universe, and right. the universe provided. You're right. Wow. Well, that's it's, it's that's quite a skill for a person to have. Yeah. 
I mean, you have to appreciate. He was actually one of the low grade acro dunkers. He was more <laughs> there to kind of like assist and yeah. throw the ball up. He couldn't flip or anything, but he could jump on it and then put the ball in the hoop through one leg. That was his main thing. That's, that's a decent move. It's a decent move, yeah. but it's no triple back flip slam dunk. No, which was one of the options. Well, that's a much better move. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and did you ever play yourself? I played a little bit in in those years and basketball. You know, I mean, in fourth and fifth grade, but that's yeah. then. Yep. I hung up the cleats. Yeah, I get it. I was a manager for the team. Oh, that's nice. I got to ride on the bus, carry the balls, that keep makes the a, score. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. And probably <laughs> yeah. balance everyone's energy and oh, a, a yes. lot of behind the scenes. Stuff Even that as they a young person. Granted. Yeah. I was an indigo child. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Vibrating even then. Yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, growing up between these two places, were there a lot of trips to the big city? Were you seeing theater? Were you exposed to comedy? What was the uh, artistic stew aside from the sure. uh, sports world? Well, when I lived in Chicago before I moved to Bloomington, yes. I was taken to see uh, The Secret Garden oh. at uh, Water Tower Place Theater. And it blew my mind because I was like, there's a little girl in the, you know, and she's the star of this musical. Right. And her parents died from cholera and wouldn't that be romantic? And that then would I would, nice. you know, just, I would sing all the time and then I would discover that I had sort of like a, an ill cousin behind the walls and then I would, I would revive him. <laughs> so I, that really captured me. Yes. And then as we walked out of that show, it so Water Tower Place in, on Michigan Avenue in Chicago is where, I believe the original American Girl doll place is. Wow. And as I was growing up, that was sort of the heyday of the American Girl doll. I, I assume you're familiar with American Girl dolls. Do you have a collection or? <laughs> I don't have a, I don't have a collection. Mm -hmm. I am familiar. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, I helped raise my niece's daughter and mm -hmm. she had a, a moment there. So mm -hmm. yes, have I had the birthday dinner mm -hmm. inside the American Girl restaurant? Yeah. Yes, I have. And is there one here or? Oh, would you like to go? Absolutely. What are your plans for lunch? Uh, let's go now. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Here's the thing. They could do better because mm. they have the audience. And that's, I guess, why I've, they don't I've need to. I've heard they've to. slipped a lot in the past, yeah. you know, a couple well, of years. But at the time, yes, at the it time. was it was the only it was the only game. And they were looking for uh, people to be in the American Girl Doll Review. Oh. And so I didn't get to be in the review because those yeah. were real Broadway babies. And now it's a whole shebang. But when it was first starting out, I did get to do like a fashion show where I played Kirsten, the Swedish American girl who had, you know, a braid crown. Yeah. And she, you know, she was a Swedish immigrant in the 1800s was her backstory. And the, 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 now it has shifted to be something slightly different, I gather. Uh, but from what I understand, in the early days of that enterprise, Though it wasn't about ordering a doll that looked like you. No. You could, they were all representative of American moments in history. Exactly. So, uh, was there one that had a kind of spiritualist uh, bent to it? I don't think so. I think um, Kirsten was probably the closest to that. Yeah. But um, there, was n there was no spiritualism, so to speak. But I, I do know, I believe there was an American Girl doll named Felicity. Yeah who I think was an escaped slave with her mother. And that was like a very compelling story because they they watched the stars follow the dipping gourd to, to escape yes. slavery. So that was maybe the closest to a, a spiritual path that I remember that any of them were on. But they all had different, you know, like Molly, I think her father was uh, fighting in World War II. They all had very extreme yeah. backstories, yes. which is all a little girl wants is like, 
you know, oh, if only my, you know, my parents were dying of cholera. Yeah. You know, it's very romantic. Cousin in the wall. Imagine yourself as an orphan. Yeah. 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 Yes. (laughs) Um, But now it's just like, oh, cool. She looks like me. And. Right. I can buy more clothes to I match can put her a with. Cast on her. I think it's it's sad that there's not the American Girl dolls with the with the history anymore. Yeah, but then you also have to be willing to really address American history, which right. gets it's a little pretty thorny. Bad. It's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. might as well start early. That's right. No, it's yeah. true. It's yeah. true. Well, uh, that's I didn't realize there was a review. Yeah, I'll be honest that uh, that part I hadn't. Well, now into. it's a full blown musical <laughs> with with I think it's like musical. Style prices. I th- I'm sure it's like you know, and the 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 kids apparently who perform in it are incredible. I'm sure they actors are. and singers. I'm sure they are. Yeah. It's like a, a preteen uh, Hamilton. Exactly. Yeah. Hamilton, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and so uh, that kind of gave you the bug to do acting mm-hmm. and to and pursue then, that. Yes, and absolutely. And and my mom was very supportive about the arts. She was a creative dramatics teacher, which if you've ever taught creative dramatics you seem like someone who would like to do that it was a thing in the yeah. 70s where yeah. you would basically like read a story to school kids and then you'd make them act out everything oh. in it you know <laughs> if i shudder it's because i'm remembering an early experience with with one of these uh, gals mm-hmm. at a uh, botanical garden mm, yep and mm-hmm. uh, the storyteller it's why i i still have trouble with the word storytelling mm. to this day is oh we're going to have a storyteller uh-oh. And she who wants to volunteer? Uh-oh. Which I should have just, but I love the dramatic mm-hmm. arts and love yeah. being in front of people, obviously. And uh, I got up there, and it was some kind of African folktale thing, and I was a turtle and uh, kind of fooling, you know, Anansi the spider. And I had honey on my back, and I had to sit there in a crouched position as someone got stuck to my shell. It scarred me. And how old were you when this happened? I was maybe eight. <laughs> seven or eight I'd still I'd not over it mm-hmm. I'm not over it yeah that's the kind of thing she was into yeah so my mom yeah. was scaring children like that and <laughs> scarred me into wanting to keep doing this kind of stuff yeah and then when we moved to Indiana they needed kit they would have a you know like they would have operas touring operas come in yeah. and you can't take kids on the road so then they would pick kids up from the Indiana you know University Children's Choir to be like I got to play urchin number one in la boheme so that was also very great for me because i like i've said was a very romantic child i would my mom would put my hair in curlers because i need to have i needed to have like the 1800s you know ringlets and i would say mom can i write by candlelight and she would light a candle for me and then i would you know i wrote (laughs) i wrote a story called the flame flower by candlelight and then went to go sing in la boheme and i was like this i'm living my best life yes you know probably 12 years old it's great. <laughs> that is fantastic. There was a lot of that kind of old-timey things in the air back then, wasn't there? A lot of staining documents with tea and burning oh, yeah. the edges. Mm-hmm. Love that stuff. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't know the kids are still doing that no. anymore. But uh, time moves forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, uh, that inspired you. You were doing that and then from an early age yeah, right into it. Yeah. And you loved it. Loved it. And you took to it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's marvelous. Yeah. Were you exposed to comedy, too, or less? No, less comedy. More more just the arts. And are you still uh, balancing your love of the arts with the Hornets outfit and the bowl cut? You know, I Did that fall away? don't have a bowl cut, and I don't have—I I would wear—if I found that jacket again, I would wear <laughs> that for sure. I think that's is 
super back in again. But I don't have either of those things. And like I think I said, I'm I don't follow sports anymore really. Yeah. Unfortunately. But if a Hornets game was on and they're playing the Bulls. You know, I the other thing was I never really cared about the Hornets. <laughs> I cared about the Pacers and the Bulls. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. 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 Are you a sports fan, Dale? I do like basketball. Mm. That's, uh, I think, the one that I would watch the most. Mm-hmm. What's your team? Oh, well, because I came from Philadelphia, I mm. have to like the 76ers. But as a sports fan from Philadelphia, I just have to be disappointed most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they've won a lot recently, which kind of throws a wrench into my whole thinking. Yeah. But, um, you know, they'll lose again. <laughs> yeah. For a long time. Have you tried to do any energetic <laughs> healing on the team or... I try not to watch because if I watch, they lose. Mm. It's one of those kind of deals. Oh, I see. So you just know. stay steer clear. The minute I get invested, mm-hmm. forget it. Sure. So, But I can like them from afar. Yeah. It's okay. They're always built around one person that plays with heart the whole season, and then they get they, they get tired. Yeah. And at the end, they blow it because yeah. you can't build a team around one person. Anyway, but I like the Bulls back mm. in the back yeah. in the time. Well, we had a dog named Bill Cartwright <laughs> because he was named. I guess his litter was named after the starting lineup of what was that? Probably the eighty-five Bulls. No, I don't. I don't Bulls. know. It was yeah. like Pippen, Cartwright, oh, yeah. Jordan, whatever. Yeah. So whenever that was, yeah, nineties, I think nineties, yeah, nineties. And we never called him anything but Bill Cartwright. <laughs> like my, like he would jump up on my dad and, you know, my dad would be like, ah, God damn it. And I'd be like, Mom, what happened? And she'd say, well, Bill Cartwright jumped on your daddy's winky dink, you know. <laughs> not Cartwright, not Bill. Yeah. Bill Cartwright. Bill Cartwright. Yeah. <laughs> the, the full name is yeah. appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the era of the dream team and all that kind oh, yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Those were great games to watch. Yeah. And so that, I was living in, that was, you know, I was yeah. born during that time in Chicago yes. and all of these John Hughes movies. So I was like, this is life. This is the whole, this is the center of your universe yeah. and in fact the universe. Yeah. Well, it's not wrong. Yeah. Did you go on to pursue acting? You studied it. I did. I, um, I, I went to NYU for one year. Here in the city. Here in the city. <laughs> and then I transferred out because yeah. it was just, a little much for me. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go to college, college. That's a, it sounds like a good choice. Yeah. But I was, you know, I was pursuing it. And yeah. then after, but by the time I got to the end of college at WashU, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm, I went through a phase where I thought I was going to be a doctor. Hmm. And um, then I realized, oh, I, I can't take organic chemistry. It's not going to work. <laughs> so then I got back into acting in my senior year of uh you know, school in St. Louis, and then moved to Chicago and started acting again. Uh-huh. Yeah. And was it easy then for you to be, because uh, I, I talked to a lot of people from NYU, and it took mm-hmm. me about, I don't know, six or seven years of doing this show to realize, oh, everybody went to NYU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why you all know each other and yeah. are helping to lift each other's career. And gosh, I wish I went to some place that had that. But uh, was it difficult to move from uh, Wash U to Chicago, which I imagine has a kind of like rhythm to it and a network of uh, Chicago actors and theater people? That it was are... very easy for me because all of my best friends were there, my high school friends. So I okay. lived in a house with my you know, my three best right, girlfriends. right, right, right. right. And then it's just Chicago. I would really recommend Chicago for anyone starting out in comedy or acting because it's so yeah. accessible, and you know the cost of living is. I think Chicago is a great place to start out. Yeah, and yeah. I felt like it was just very. It was seamless for me. And so, what kind of things were you? St- because I could tell just by attending the show that I did mm. um, that there is 
some actual acting theater training there, mm, which yes. not every comedian has. Well, a lot of that's just Winifred, you know, but... Sure, she yeah, brings yeah. a certain amount of... Uh, Gravitas. Yes, yes, mm. and it, it certainly elevates the whole thing, but mm. the vessel itself, yours, uh, is already capable, I well, imagine, thank you, of, 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 of <laughs> knowing how to stand on the stage, how to breathe on the stage, right. and how to do some of these basic things that are often missed mm. there. Um Breathing and standing. It's important. Yeah. It's important. Absolutely. To, to respect the space that you're in. Mm-hmm. Whatever it may be. Yeah. I mean, I've been on really tiny stages. I've been on some, like, stages that are nothing. It's just a chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, you still, you, there's a something to it. There's sure. some spirits lifting up that theater. Absolutely. Lifting up that stage. Yeah. you got to know how to do it. Yeah. To know the importance of gesture. Absolutely. Do you know the theater director, uh, Robert Wilson? I don't. He's a uh, sort of visionary, experimental guy and does a lot of big operas and things that are too expensive to mount in this country. But I spent some time with him working as a kind of apprentice in his theater there, learning from him as a junior a person. And uh, he taught me the, the power of gesture. And he did so by showing me, calling me into a room late at night he was a couple of vodka tonics in, mm-hmm. hold the tonic. And uh, we watched, he said, a little TV screen. Mm-hmm. And we watched a video of one of Marlena Dietrich's concerts. Mm. Just her in a pink dress with like a stole and just in the spotlight. Big theater. And she stands absolutely still, delivers the whole song, whatever it was. And at the very end, arm goes up, weeping. The crowd goes crazy clapping to their feet and as you're watching it you feel it wow. you feel this whole the energy shift ah we pay attention wow that's how i learned it. so i always do that at the yeah. end of my shows oh yeah one arm Just up one arm and yeah. everyone weeps <laughs> yeah it's amazing wow. how it, women are powerful yeah it's true that's that's why they're trying to keep us down I gather so, and that's what Victoria Woodhull was all about, right. wasn't Absolutely, she? Absolutely, yeah. Now this this is a person that uh, because in your show mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and through Winifred, you and I imagine through other things that you've done, mm-hmm. you have infused a lot of things with uh, this uh, kind of feminism, mm-hmm. with uh, a real spirit of women's empowerment, mm-hmm. um, really speaking in a way that is. Uh, uh, it is powerful. It also is a little dirty. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, it's all the things that women are. Yeah, <laughs> powerful and dirty. Yeah. No, but other things. Um, tell me about the fascination with Victoria Woodhull, and then uh, we can talk about sex magic. Sure, I would love to talk about sex magic. Okay. Um, well, like I said, this character Winifred jumped into my body. Yes. And so I was performing as her, and then after one show where I was, uh, you know, basically. I had, like, you know, infiltrated a stand-up show and, you know, Winifred orated. Yes. Someone said, oh, are you doing an impression of Victoria Woodhull? And I I had no idea who she was, and I think most people, Dale, you're probably on on the outlier of people who would know who Victoria Woodhull is, but the mainstream people do not know who she is. And I, I said, I don't know who that is, and they said, well, she's the first woman who ran for the presidency in 1872 before women could even vote. Yeah. She was a self-made millionaires at a time when women couldn't actually hold any property. She mm-hmm. had the first female run stock brokerage on wall street with her sister. Um, and she printed her own newspaper, um, which was, you know, in the context of the time, I mean, even now it would be incredible, but back then yeah. when we were property, 
chattel yes. to do all that was like pretty amazing. And to tie it into the sex magic thing, she was a free lover. Yeah. Which back then, you know, sounded extremely horny, but really just meant that she thought you should be able to divorce a man who, you know, was abusing you and was awful and marry for love. Yes. So, but she she had been married off when she was 14 to this uh, horrible uh, drunken man, and she sort of kept being his caretaker, so she was still married to him, but then she also had a lover at the same time, so everyone was saying, oh, she's she's got these two lovers, she's got a husband and a boyfriend, yeah. but really Sinful. she had one person that she was in love with, and then the father of her children, who, was, who she sort of carted around because he was not really up to anything else yeah some kind of specialized wagon i right. imagine yeah and this was in where ohio she was born in ohio she was born um in homer ohio and then she made her way here to new york city and opened her her stock brokerage right on wall street city and she made friends with uh, cornelius vanderbilt who was yeah. a famous spiritualist and was trying to contact his son. So her sister, Tennessee, and Victoria would give him spiritual healings. Hey, now. So that he could contact his son. And then um, Tenny would stay and like give him magnetic massage. We okay. don't know what that means. Mm. Um, I've and got so an idea. then he, he said, like, let me fund your, your Wall Street stock brokerage. And then half the people who turned out to see the stock brokerage were just like, well, this is wild. It's two women handing like handling money it's like uh, like uh, looking at a cat wearing a top hat and holding a pocket watch i can't understand it and then other people are like well if she works with cornelius vanderbilt then she must know what she's doing yeah and so uh, how robust was that stock exchange it was pretty good or, or brokerage I yeah guess. i mean they they were millionaires for a while there it's kind of, it's re- remarkable yeah and 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 the platform that she was running on as as president or was for the president, free love platform was the free love platform. Mm-hmm. Well, and and really, that's just about agency for women, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether you, whatever got labeled, right? <laughs> free love, kind of, right? Has and I think she was pretty horny. I think she, you know, got into some freaky deaky stuff. Yeah. But what what she was really saying was just, you know, we need to be I able want. to be free to not just be locked into these abusive marriages for our entire lives and be legally raped by our husbands, you know, for whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and who was she running against? Um, Sorry, oh, history question. That was a good question. <laughs> I know who it is, but I can't remember. But, you know, she announced her running mate as Frederick Douglass, <laughs> wow. which was a pretty cool wow. combo yep. pack yeah. at the time. Yep. But actually, he, um, Frederick Douglass never agreed to be her running mate. Oh. She was doing a smart PR move. Uh-huh. And he had already signed up to um, be the running mate of whoever. I can't remember who won, but it was some white dude, obviously. Yes, yes that's, yeah. how, that's how it goes. Yeah. Some winner. Yeah. <laughs> and she was actually not the legal age to... She was 34, she, oh, she, so you need to be 35. Young. So she was too... Even if it had been... Even if women were considered citizens at the time, which uh, they weren't, yes, yep. she wouldn't have been legally able to run. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see an American girl doll of Victoria. Her. Yeah. 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 That would be pretty freaky. That would be Yeah. Because you know, she was a channeler, too. So like when she started to speak publicly, women weren't allowed to, to speak in public. So she'd yeah. be like, oh, okay, well, uh, oh, I'm getting a voice. It's a, it's a Greek orator, Demosthenes. Yes. And then Demosthenes would speak through her. Oh. Um, she also had like a French a French doctor named Jacques who would speak through her. 
She had a couple different dudes, and depending on what she wanted to talk about. Fascinating character. Or, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. what a way to see how to navigate through the the system as it exists. Isn't it crazy? And and she would also. Um, they think that one of the reasons why her stock brokerage did so well is that she may have been getting stock tips from Pillow Talk from prostitutes. She and her sister were pretty good friends with. Yeah. The thing is, mm-hmm. if you if you if you can see it, if you can see the systems of power, mm-hmm. and you know how it operates, it's not that hard to skim from it right. <laughs> and figure out your own path. Right. Uh, hopefully, in the in the, for the for good purposes, but. Uh, Certainly to make a little money. Right. Gosh. Well, I think she was lucky because she didn't know what she didn't know. She wasn't programmed her whole life to think, like, you're not able to do anything, which yeah. most of us are, because she grew up as sort of a scrappy little no-one kid, so she wasn't educated enough to be brainwashed. Yeah. And then she had a father who was a one-eyed huckster who would, um, you know, he got into all kinds of trouble. And so she saw, like, oh, people are very easily hoodwinked or manipulated or yeah. in the nice way you want to say that, you know, moved towards your cause if you just... Take a little nudge. Yeah. Yeah. A one-eyed huckster. Yeah. He was uh, he, he was caught selling a, a team of stallions and then it rained and it turned out that they were just like horses that he'd covered in shoe polish. And he <laughs> bought he bought the mill and then it burned down mysteriously right after he took out a big, you know, insurance policy on it. <laughs> He um, he was doing a lot of mail fraud, so he became he made himself the postmaster general of Homer, Ohio, and then was like kind of opening all the checks and taking whatever he wanted. And then he got his daughters into, you know, this, the healing business, which was a big thing. You know, the Fox sisters back then. Yeah. Um, spiritualism. Spiritualism. And that all so, going. So they were. He was taking them door to door to heal women's ailments. Yes. Yeah. Which was very popular in that sort of northern. Right. Uh, tier right. of the country. Right. Some of the places away from the big cities. Right. Yeah. Uh wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I love the story. And what are you going to do a, a film or something? So my sister and I made a documentary about it. Uh-huh. And I mean it's like pretty made. We've been working on it for a long time and written uh a, a mini series about her. Oh. Um and so we're, you know, in the final stages of trying to get some money to get that out in the world. But, and, and, you know, when Hillary was running for president, we had a lot of interest in the documentary. And yes, a lot of I people would... were like, oh, we want to buy that for our, like, Women in Power series. And then when the election went how it went, everyone said, oh, okay, we're actually not going to go that way now. <laughs> so that was kind of a, that stank, but um, you know, I think with the women's march and things, people are now coming back around and be like, "Oh, let's look at why we have such a hard time with women in power and why we, yeah, we can't possibly because Victoria Woodhull was really hated." Well, yeah, <laughs> and um, I think any woman candidate, yeah, that ends up being a play, right? That happens. You'll find they'll find the reasons why she's. Horrible. Yes, uh, uh, I mean throughout. Yeah, they our used to history. call Victoria Woodhull Mrs. Satan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so uh, resonant with this moment, mm-hmm. and also still ties into all the things we were talking about before of yeah. these kind of like uh, healing practices mm-hmm. and uh, a return to spiritualism, things mm-hmm. that are outside the formal church parameters, things that are not the system. We certainly have a lot of grifters out there. Yeah. 
uh, well, I think that uh, you should have that Quibi thing give you some money. What's for, the Quibi thing? I don't know what it is, but everybody on the Twitter has. I just signed a deal with Quibi. Quibi. Quibi and Quibi. I'll look. Up, I'll look it up. Yeah, look it up. They're Great. giving money to everybody. Great. I could use some money. <laughs> sure. They're making a lot of things. You played Hillary Clinton once. I did play Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Yes. You. Um, you and your husband. It was. He was yeah. Bill. Yes, he was yeah. Bill. Yeah. yeah. We, was, it was a Broadway musical, and by Broadway, I mean. Not Broadway. We called it the <laughs> Bill and Hill or Billery Broadway Karaoke Musical, and we did it in, um, you know, those private karaoke lounges in Koreatown in L.A. Yeah. So we do. We'd like rent out a room, and then and then you would get to do karaoke with Hill and Bill, <laughs> and that that was their way of doing um, couples therapy. So they would rewrite oh. the lyrics to songs to talk about their issues. Yeah. It was very cathartic, and then at the end, you could sing with Hill and Bill if you wanted to. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That, that's uh, interesting stuff. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to work. Uh, my my ex-wife, Ginny, and I, we used to work out some things on stage. Yeah. It was very helpful. Yeah. Very helpful. Did you and Ginny ever sing? Oh, yeah. They were always yeah. songs. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. was always a song with it. And the sometimes we had never heard is... the song before. We oh. just had the sheet music. Oh, So, great. well, we assumed they were love songs, but you can never be sure. You can never know. Hotel yeah. California is a beautiful uh, ballad, mm-hmm. really. And uh, Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. Oof. A lot of great ones. That one gets me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, uh, th- your husband was a guest on your show. He was, yeah. But mm-hmm. when I went to the show, I didn't know that there was any kind of relationship there. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of tongue action. And well, I thought, that was all Victoria. We uh, actually had to have a, or uh, that was all Winifred. Winifred. We, we had to ha- have a, a little chat about that afterwards. Oh, yeah. She got a little tonguey with my husband because she knew. <laughs> That the audience would be fine with it, knowing that I, the vessel, was married to him. Yeah. Well, not all of us knew it. No, no. I just thought, wow, my goodness. <laughs> this is quite a show. And she did say she was going to do that with all of her guests. Yes. Yeah. So which set up a an interesting precedent. It did. Yeah. It did. And uh, that brings us to sex magic, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. which uh, especially this time of year with a uh, very erotic holiday coming up, mm. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I do a little Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade uh, balloon role play. Oh, uh, very where good. I just kind of Snoopy. Is slowly, that... I can be what I, I yeah. often. I'm the fireman. Great vintage fireman. Love it. Little mustache, and she just kind of navigates me through the apartment, wow. holding a string. That's great. It's, it's a lot of fun, and uh, as I said, very erotic. Right. Um, how do you come to know about sex magic? Is it through uh, Victoria uh, Winifred, your own uh, research? Uh, what is sex magic? So, and I think sex magic is whatever you want it to be. Okay. But basically, it's the idea if you of combining the erotic energy of sex and uh, an intention. Yeah. And then at the moment of orgasm, that intention gets blasted out into the universe and then comes back to you more powerfully than than if you were to just sit and intend something. Okay. So how would it be applied then? Like, I've got a big report, do it work. You've got a big report, do it work. So then you first work on the report, of course. Like yeah. like any magic, I think Winifred and I would both say you have to do both the magical work and the practical work. Yes. So you work on your report as much as you possibly could. And then if you're you know, making love with your wife or making love with yourself. Whomever. At, at the moment, you would keep sort of the, the image of you delivering the report in the best possible way and, it, and the report being received in the best possible way at the moment of impact so to speak yes you envision that and release it out into the universe and then that 
sort of the ripple effect of that vibration supposedly helps you manifest the thing that you desire. Vision board as orgasm. Exactly. I yeah. see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. that's a fun way to think about yeah. it. And uh, has it helped you? I don't want it to be too personal. Um. Sure. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's great. I think it's hard to do. I think it's hard to actually do. Winifred seems like she's figured it out more. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's probably hard actually when you're in the moment to like be like think about my report. <laughs> you know. I mean. Well, sorry. <laughs> I think practice makes perfect. Perfect. Right. But depends on the partner right. too. I guess. Yeah. I. I think I'm a big fan of like integrating. Every, you know. Yeah. Thinking about like, oh, how does how does all this connect? So I, I think in that sense probably a very helpful practice yes yeah. yes and uh it, so- it's, it sounds like it also uh, has some similarities with like kundalini absolutely and that kind of thing too. you know i was at my friend's uh my my friend was thrown a surprise 40th birthday party recently and i found myself talking to his mother for a really long time it was a very nice lady but from a very um like the fanciest suburb in chicago lake forest oh yes and so she's a, a fancy irish catholic woman and we were talking for a long time, and um, she was like, you know, I really love Sting. I love Sting so much. He's got this energy. I don't know what, how his energy is so good. And I said, well, you know, he does tantric sex. And she said, what? <laughs> and I was like, why? Oh, no. Why did I say that? Retreat, retreat. And so I was like, oh, tantra. And she's like, what's that? And I was like, it's kind of like yoga, and tried to move on. And then um, her sister, my friend's aunt, was like, yeah, tantric sex. That means he has sex for like seven hours. He rolls around the bed with his wife for a really long time. And then she sort of looked at me like, oh, interesting. And I, I don't know why I said that to her. But I think it's, it's good to be open, even, yes. with, even with people who don't expect you to bring up tantric sex with them. No. You know? I think you have to follow we're all, your... We're all a little too repressed still. Yes, yes, and we could do well to follow our instincts. And, I think so. Uh, uh, our intuition, more yeah. importantly, and yeah. and to be open to new things. Mm-hmm. I think you greatly enhanced that woman's experience yeah. of life. Yeah. And perhaps her And partners. now she knows why Sting has such good energy. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. But to, it's such a thing to be known for that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To, be, to, to have made music, musicals, written things, but to be known... For the uh, sex marathon. Well, I think that that's a symptom of our repressed society that we're, you know, if anyone mentions anything about sex or relationships, then that immediately becomes more important than anything they've ever done, which is yeah. what happened to Victoria Woodhull. She yes. started to talk about free love, and then it was like, whoa, <laughs> right. you want to see a lot of boners? <laughs> well, no, I want, you know, women to be able to not be abused. Right. But also... I wouldn't mind seeing a lot of boners. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of boners, you have some preparations for the solstice coming up. Yes, we got we have a solstice show on December sixteenth. Oh, yes. High holidays. High holidays. Well, depending on where you envision the arc of the year, <laughs> yes. high or low. Yes. When yes. you when Dale, when you picture yeah. the wreath of the year. Yes. Do you picture the winter solstice at the top or the bottom? Oh, gosh, I've always pictured it at the top. Hmm. North, that seems right. Yeah, the beginning of a new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's coming back around. Yeah. Summer's at the bottom. It's too hot for me. Yeah. But then we get South, to the top. Hot. I look forward to mm-hmm. getting through it. I I wonder why, then, they put the bow at the bottom of a Christmas wreath. Is that what that's supposed to symbolize? I don't know, but I feel like it should be at the top. I do, too. 
And let's, if I've ever drawn one. Let's send some faxes about that. <laughs> You've drawn one with the bow at the top? I've only ever drawn the bow. I've never even thought to put it at the bottom. Maybe it's just um, a, like w- when you're fastening it, it seems more secure at the bottom. But fastening I, the wreath? Oh, the bow. The bow yeah. to the wreath. Well, okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things I think about. Do you make your own wreaths? No, I'd like to make a wreath, though. Oh, well, maybe well we you can know, do actually, that. on one time I did make a pretty cool, edgy Easter wall hanging, let's say. Yeah. I took a black umbrella uh-huh. and I put uh, orange tulips in it. Uh-huh. And then I tied a bow around the umbrella. So the tulips were coming out of the like top of the oh, um, of yeah. the closed umbrella. And yeah. then I hung the umbrella hook over my door hook. It looked it looked very Pinteresty. Yes. I'll send I'll fax you a picture of it. That, that would be great. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is the dish that you like to bring to Turkey Day assuming you'll celebrate? Well, listen, I am the matriarch, so now I host turkey. That's a big responsibility. Yes. And my apartment is very close to the beginning of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh. So, a little tradition we've started in the past couple of years is we go and See the parade off. Yes. Very early in the morning. We come back. We pop the turkey in the oven. Yep. We take a little nap. Wake up to watch all the Broadway performances once the parade gets downtown. Yeah. Pop that turkey out and then have our feast. Sounds lovely. So I make it all, pretty much. <laughs> and will you have family come and, and visit? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I always love it. I love I love that time and I yeah. love asking are answering questions about my radio show yeah. and how they can listen to it. I tell you, when the podcast hit the suburbs, Things it's going to be fire. Things are going to change yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> and do you cook? Uh, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we know we're experimenting with adding some more vegetarian dishes. Ooh. I'm really trying to, to make that move. That's great. Uh, so a lot of uh, casseroles mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, veggie fritters. Oh. Uh, so I made a beautiful mashed uh, turnip and carrot. Mixture the other night. Ooh. Uh, and so you're going to fritter that up? I might fritter it up. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Is that your specialty? I like to experiment. Mm-hmm. And I like to choose. Uh, traditionally, I've always chosen a different meat mm. and then just gone for it. Mm. So I've, I've had all of them, pheasants and, and geese and all kinds of things. Uh, but this year, trying to phase some of that out. Where on earth do you find a goose? How can we stop eating goose? Yeah, it's very smoky. It's hard in, in, in little apartments. Mm, you smoke your own goose? <laughs> well, no. It, the it grease just... uh, generates a lot of it's, – it's a hard bird to cook, oh. at least the way that I did it wow. uh, in the oven. There's wow. a lot of drippings. Oh. And a lot of a lot of smoke. So mm. you have to have the windows open and a fan going. That sounds too messy. <laughs> it gets a little messy. You know, in like Christmas Carol, it's always like Christmas goose. Yes, no, I'd love a to delicious, taste a Christmas goose. It's a delicious bird. Yeah. Um, any uh, f- uh, predictions for 2020? Mm. Either well, from you or anything that Winifred has passed on to you. I do think, unfortunately, Trump will continue to be our president. Wow. I do think that. And I thought that actually because I was learning so much about how much Victoria Woodhull was hated, I I sort of knew that Hillary was not going to win. Uh-huh. Um, because you time. had seen it happen in history I had before. I have seen it happen and I knew that there not things had not changed enough that that I thought it was going to go any other way. Um, so that's a sad prediction. I'm going to use some sex magic on that. Yeah, I think you should. Try to change it. Every single night. <laughs> yeah. That's you hard know? hard to bring him into the bedroom. Or morning, whenever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what other predictions I have for 2020. I think people will start getting it together to act on climate change. I hope so. 
I hope so. That's another big part of uh, Winifred's show. Yes. There's a real ecological thread to it, isn't there? So I'm hoping that people will be able to start taking action in a way that makes them... Because it feels so good to be empowered in that way. So I think people are starting to feel like, well, these big systems are really letting us down and fucking us over, but what can we do as our own human little people? And it doesn't seem viable to put our... DNA and all that on another meteorite and blast it out to some other no, place. No, so I'm is, willing to we, try. We're on the best one. We might as well keep this yep. one yep. going. Have you heard of the book um, Pleasure Activism? No. I think you'd really like it. I'm it's, going um, to. It's sort it of the, the it, it's a collection of essays, but it really kind of talks about like how um, doing the best the thing that feels good. And this is a very sex magic concept, I think. Mm-hmm. Usually works and does good change and does good change yeah and does good change yeah (laughs) (laughs) well said (laughs) thank you (laughs) and that goes back to the idea of really honing in to your intuition right and following that and being able to uh, follow up on it and to uh, as as you say uh, enact change right this has been wonderful yes caroline uh, I'm so excited to to have you here and uh, for your future in 2020 and beyond. The next show is on December 16th, mm-hmm. and it will be solstice-related. Uh, mm-hmm. So there'll be some real celebrations, some libations, yes. some good thoughts about the earth, yes. and whatever Winifred brings in. Yes. And that's at where? It's a caveat theater on the Lower East Side. The great yes. Lower East Side. Yes. It's our best side. Yes. Um. Great. Yeah. Caroline, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Dale. It's been a real pleasure. Have a wonderful holiday. Thanks, and you too. Oh, gobble, gobble. I have so much fun on this show. I can't wait for you to check out Caroline's work and maybe meet Winifred in person. Follow Caroline online for more on The Violet Hour. I'm going to be away next week for the holidays, but perhaps we'll run an old episode in there, or maybe we'll have a surprise. I don't know, because I've not thought that far ahead. Regardless, I so value your listening, and I hope you'll stay tuned as we have some new developments in the works for 2020. Is it possible? My goodness. Till then, remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is independently produced and performed by James Bewley. Season 12 podcast icon illustrated by Lars Litaro. Deep Night Season 12 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the episode is provided by the talented roster at Haller Hills Farm in Ohio. Production studio space provided by Harvestworks here in New York City. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or tune in on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Thank you for listening, and this season... I encourage you all to leave your portals open.